This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you, listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. And welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so shocked Nikki didn't jump in and do something like kind of ridiculous. Because you were looking like you were going to pounce I on was, Spencer. I was, but then like you you took forever and then like we thought that there was no SD card. So like... It's always something. It, it just, I, I was just like, it's not my time. I have a feeling you touched the recording equipment at some point before we did anything. And that's why the SD card said it was missing. It, you got me. That's just like I'm my whole. Surprised. I just, I just walk around the apartment and just screw with our technology. I think sometimes. I really, <laughs> really do think sometimes. So here we are, another week. Another week. Here we are, and I'm really excited about this week's show because we have too. a really, really, really big guest for us. I know, and we had some big guests in the past. We but have nostalgia-wise, yeah. going back, man, this guy. This really, really made me happy. This, me too. This interview made me happy. Me too. So listen, why don't we get into uh, You Heard? Yeah, we could do that. And then we'll get into uh, what this interview is all about. All righty then. All right. You Heard? So this week's You Heard comes to us from 135th and St. Nick. Mm-hmm. And I overheard someone that I was walking past say, yes. I'm an aspiring rapper. Really? Really. And I thought I've been holding on to this one because I thought this someday. is going to fit. Someday it's going to fit. And this week it totally fits. It did indeed. Now, where was this again? 135th and St. Nick. Damn. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like if you walked anywhere down in Midtown, like by where I used to work, like by, you know, 50th Street and, you know, over by Times Square area, there are people handing out CDs all the time. time. Like you never know who the next big music act's going to be breaking out of New York City. And, you know, I've not been on a train like lately. The trains have been so ridiculously packed that I've not seen like... A lot of performers. The only time I've been seeing performers is like in the morning when the mariachi bands get on. And I'm sorry, it should be illegal. Like it should totally be illegal for a mariachi band to be playing on a train until at least afternoon. Yeah, I think that 12 noon is probably 12 a good noon time. is a good time. But to like be at, on a train at eight o'clock in the morning listening to mariachi music as loud as so, humanly possible. And they're so festive. It's so fun. Like it's it's just like, man, if I had a margarita, maybe I'd be happier. But like I am on my way to work. I yeah. am tired. Like I don't have the mental capacity for this right now. If you're on your way down to the beach, that's one thing. If you're sure. on your way down to the financial <laughs> district to go to work, that's another whole situation. Exactly. Exactly. But that's this week's You Heard. <laughs> so let's find out how this week's You Heard ties into this week's episode. All right. So this week's episode um, is surrounded around, is centered on the Garden of Dreams Foundation, which is this nonprofit arm of MSG, you know, which is the world's most famous arena, um, which is here in New York City, obviously. And the Garden of Dreams is this great foundation that really gives back to kids who, you know, are facing obstacles, whether they're kids that are in foster care or they're kids that have, you know, just unsurmountable diseases and you know like health things to overcome so you know i we see these commercials because we watch a lot of msg network um for our new york islanders that's right and every time we're watching one of the commercials for garden of dreams comes on and it always makes me choke up because the kids look so happy because they get to get out there and they get to go on like you know they get to meet I wouldn't care about like i wouldn't care about this but like they get to meet like knicks players and 
you know, and the Rangers, like they get to go out on the ice with the Rangers. They get to right. get out on the court with the Knicks and like anything that's associated with MSG, they get to be a part of, you know, so like and the like, MSG really, really gives back to the community in this way. And it's really, really cool to see like you get to see these kids like, you know, kicking up their feet with the Rockettes and stuff like that for Radio City. So it's just really, really neat, you know, to, th- that this experience is happening. But for the first time ever, they're hosting something called the Garden of Dreams and it's taking place on Friday, March 23rd. And it's going to feature OAR and friends, which include a bevy of people from Gavin DeGraw, um, Robert Randolph, Adam Duritz of Counting Crows, Nate Russ of Fun, and a bunch of other acts, including Daryl McDaniels, who we know better as DMC of Run DMC fame. Oh, yes. We know him from that very well. So on, you know, on Friday is this Concert for Dreams concert. And, you know, it's going to be taking place at the Beacon Theater and they're going to be doing a concert in the morning for the kids. And yeah. then they're going to do a concert at night for the parents. So, Which is the way every concert should be. What? You got to come in and set up for sound check, right? For yeah. every single show that there is. So it's not like you're not there in the middle of the afternoon. So many, and I'm not just talking about like kids in need or, you know, kids who go into hard times or anything like that. Me, as a person growing up loving music, you as a person growing up loving music, Mm -hmm. you're a little bit different situation because you work in a field where you can get, you know, press passes to go and see some of these things. But so often, the people who lose the most are kids who can't afford, not only can't afford to go to concerts, but, you know, if they could afford to it, it doesn't matter because... Tickets are going to wind up on, like, some bidding site. And the only person who can afford to go to those shows are, like, adults sure, with, like, yeah. real jobs. Yeah. So it's it's really cool. And, you know, I, I talked to um, Mark from OAR for a different story that I'm going to be working on. But, you know, the concert for kids is going to be, like, actual kids' music. So it's not like they're going to be listening to, you know, a lot of the songs that, like, these bands will play. But it's, it's like these bands are going to play kid-friendly versions of songs, you know, like... Just kid music and pop right. songs and stuff like that. Like, stuff that the kids are listening to now. Like, these bands are going to go and, like, play, like, these pop songs and stuff. Because it's, like, what they want to just make these kids happy with this nice big show. But while the Concert for Dreams is the first ever concert, for the 12th year in a row, Garden of Dreams is, in conjunction, hosting its annual talent show at Radio City Music Hall. And it just so happens that Daryl McDaniels is kind of like the creative mastermind behind the talent show this year. So this this show lets more than 100 kids from various, you know, organizations that Garden of Dreams works with, more than 100 kids are going to be able to get on stage at Radio City and show their talent. That's mind-blowing. And it's like, it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy that, like, these kids are going to get up on the stage and, like, show the world, like, hey, this is a talent that I have – and it's just for fun, you know, like, and they're just going to get there and like, in a way that like they might not ever get to do, yeah. you know, like, and Daryl McDaniels is really funny because he said, you know, man, I didn't get to go there until like 1993. <laughs> like, you know, we didn't get to play that stage. And like, that's like one of his hometown stages, you know, because he's oh, yeah. from New York. So for him to play Radio City, like, that's a huge deal. He's like, and these kids get to come in and like, they get to show their talent in this talent show on this one of the most iconic stages in the world at Radio City. So Daryl tells us all about, you know, what to expect this year, kind of how he got involved with Garden of Dreams. And he tells a little bit and he gets a little bit personal, which is really, you know, what really inspired him to do the work with this great organization of which he is also a member of its board. So let's turn it over to DMC of Run DMC about the Garden of Dreams Foundation's talent show. All right, let's roll that fabulous bean footage. Hi, Daryl. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. What's happening? Nothing. Thank you so, so much for speaking to Metro this morning. We really appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. Great. Well, can you just start by giving me a little bit of a background into how, you know, what drew you to becoming involved with Garden of Dreams? Oh, well, um, uh, um, in 2000, I found out that I was adopted. Okay. And um, everybody in my family knew, and every all the I went to Catholic school my whole life. So all the nuns knew, all the fathers and all the priests knew. My 
doctors knew, the whole neighborhood knew, but it was like a secret that they kept from me. So to make a long story short, that was a shocking revelation. And then I found out that I was a foster kid. So when all that happened, I started talking about what I just discovered about myself. And um, a lot of people started to invite me to come speak at group homes mm-hmm. and high schools and middle schools and um, stuff like that. And um, also adoption agencies and um, um, homeless shelters and juvenile detention centers and whatever, whatever. To make a long story short, I was doing a lot of uh, work in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, I would leave these places and I would go, you know, there's a lot of great organizations, there's a lot of people doing stuff, you know, for these kids, but right. these kids need um, the the outreach from the, to them to be constant. Like I got to say, and you just can't show up into the neighborhood on Christmas and give out coats and right. gifts. And then those people in that community don't see you for a whole other year. You just can't come to the, you know, these communities and give out turkeys on Thanksgiving and dinner. Right. And then those people don't see you for a whole other year. So I was like, I wish there was an organization that, you know, would constantly be engaged with not just the kids, but those families too. Right, you know, going right. through the struggle, whether it's, you know, foster kids, homeless kids, kids um, with emotional problems, physical problems, and all of that. And somebody said, well, gee, there is an organization that does that. And I was like, really? Yeah, MSG, not God in the dreams. So the funny thing was, they heard about what I was doing. When, when I started thinking on this, they heard about what I was doing, and they reached out to me because a lot of the organizations that they work with, oh, DMC was just here a week ago. Oh, God and Jesus was just here a week ago. So we were already doing it. And the beautiful thing about them is, like I said, when they, you know, the outreach that they give to these kids, these communities, um, Children's Village, um, the work that they do at the hospitals, they don't just go fix the hospital up and you never see them again. They stay involved constantly with the lives of these people, and that's a beautiful thing. So they asked me to come on board as a board member with the God and the Dreams, and I was like, I have a ball after I've been groomed and prepared for this moment in my life. And then um, they they informed me that they do the Garden of Dreams talent show. And I was like, what's that? Well, we take all of these kids facing obstacles, you know, whatever the obstacle is, cancer, homelessness, foster care, you know, domestic problems, um, you know, social, economic, and physical problems. And we give them Radio City Music Hall so that they could perform on a grand stage at Radio City Music Hall. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, me being DMC for DMC, you know, the history that I had with performing, they just right. brought me in as like a um, 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 a talent director. Like, you know, I work with the kids, you know, right. on their stage presence, on their deliveries and stuff like that. So it was just crazy that, you know, Garden of Dreams was doing the work that, um, I was being groomed to participate in. Right, like it, right. I look at it like it's you like even though it was, it was kind of um, it was kind of um, it was kind of um, I, well I had to wait and understand why my parents didn't tell me that I was adopted yeah. until I got <laughs> older and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was one of those things where he's doing so good right now. We don't want his truth about him to ruin him. But I think when I look at the grand picture, that revelation came at this time because the universe, God, Buddha, Yahweh, whatever you call it, I think God's a a lady, like my mom, Um, whatever you call, you know, whatever you think that higher power is, I think it it was just setting me up for that revelation to come because I was supposed to be working with the God in the dreams. And like I said, those kids are just like me and all. You know, I always say a kid's situation shouldn't deprive them of the opportunity to do the things that they love and at the same time still be a kid and have those um, life-changing experiences. And that's what right. they go to go on Absolutely. And, you know, what is this year's theme of the talent show? And what are you most excited about, you know, kind of as this creative godfather over the, the talent show? Well, this year at the talent show, oh, my goodness, the talent is, like, superb. Like, <laughs> the, the the singer, 
the dancers, um, the orchestra, um, the vocalists, um, the piano players. Um, um, I would say all of these kids could, like, go on Broadway right now and be in the play. You know, and it's the whole thing is about nothing should the, the, um Dreams do come true. Dreams do come true, and dreams can happen. And regardless of who you are, where you're from, and what you're going through, all dreams are possible, and that's what we do. I say um, we plant seeds of dreams that grow into forests of realities. <laughs> and you got to remember, these kids are going through chemotherapy. Right. Um, these kids are in homeless shelters. Um, these kids are going through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of medical procedures. Sure. But at the end of the day, they're still talented. They still have beauty inside of them. They still have wonderful, beautiful music that the world needs to hear. And at the same time, they want to do this. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, I, right. I must admit that <laughs> my job as a um, talent director is not really hard because <laughs> these kids have the it factor. Right. You know, I just I just give them a tip here and there, but it's it's very <laughs> inspirational. I think you know we think that we're doing such a great thing for these kids, and you know we are. A lot of those kids don't think you know. Wow, I wish one day I could even walk into the doors of Radio City Music Hall. We say we're taking it one step better than that. You getting to perform at Radio City <laughs> Music Hall, and I tell all the kids it wasn't what I didn't perform at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, 1993 till I was almost, what, 30 years? 30 years old. And I tell these kids, I'm so jealous of you. You get to go, now how old are you? I'm eight. I'm like, I'm so jealous of you. But what I wanted to say was, we think we're doing such a great work for them. But the inspiration, the, um, the, 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 um, the feeling of accomplishment in life that these children give us, right. I mean, Money could money couldn't buy, or money couldn't give us the feeling that we get from working with these wonderful children. Right, and you my know, dream I, has come true right now. Oh, that's wonderful! And I mean, I know that I see the Garden of Dream commercials, you know, all the time. I'm a big um, hockey fan, so I'm always watching MSG. And I yeah, let's go Rangers. <laughs> well, let's not go Rangers. Let's go Islanders. But I'll let you. <laughs> <laughs> but well, hockey too. I love it too. <laughs> Great. And, you know, I see these commercials and I get so emotional because it's like you see the yeah. smile that these kids have thanks to the things that Garden of Dreams does for them. You know, is it is it right. emotional? Like, how? what are your emotions like on, you know, the night of the talent show, watching these kids on this iconic stage? You know, Oh, my work. goodness. Every Everybody's trying every minute. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's trying every minute, especially um, – you know, especially the audience, because now what we do is we, we, we on the screen we give a preview of who all these kids are. So these people are seeing the obstacles that all these young children are facing, and then they come out there and they deliver. They deliver so, so empowering, um, so uplifting, um, such a wonderful blessing of of um positivity and, and 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 beautifulness that you know you don't find anywhere else and right. it's very very it's very emotional i mean even going through the selection process and then we're going through the rehearsals everything leading up to that big night and then the seated kids go out there and deliver their a game and by the way it's so emotional to see the kids smiling that night but what's important about the talent show when the talent show is over, what happens um, in this process doesn't end there. These kids take that experience with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Whatever yeah. it is that they got to go back to, if they got to go back to operations, they got to go back to more chemotherapy, if they got to go to dialysis, if they got to go back into the group home, if they got to go back into the homeless shelter. Right. What happens that night at the talent show? really transforms them. You know, their right. grades go up. Um, their, their their excitement and enthusiasm about life goes up. And the beautiful thing is to see them come back four, five, six later to mentor the other kids that are now 
preparing to take the stage. It's an endless cycle. And so the kids that go through the Garden of Dreams um, talent show, the whole process of selection, rehearsal, and, you know, the performance, right. they want to come back and mentor the other kids. That's wonderful. And I so think that's the most end. beautiful. Right, right. And, and you know, it's beautiful to hear such and such is in college now. Such and such is in the school for the performing arts. Such and such is doing so well now. You know, um, um, such and such, um, there, there, there's no cancer has been found in the next checkup. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's great. So doing something, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, doing stuff that touches their lives, that experience transforms anything and almost everything that they're up against personally. And right. I think that's what's so beautiful about it. And they realize that, so that's why they want to come back and show the other kids that, look, if I did this, and look at me now, you know what I'm right. saying? It's one thing DMC, Mr. Professional Rap Dude, that's <laughs> been doing it forever. My mother and my grandmother knows about you. But when a kid <laughs> sees another kid, that that, that says right. so much more. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you've mentioned kind of like the selection process. You know, what, what sort of things do you look for when kind of planning out the talent show? You know, what sort of acts and, you know, what sort of criteria – is, do the kids have to, to face to be able to get on stage? Yeah, well, the kids, they got to have, um, it's all about presence. Mm -hmm. And we, we look for that presence. It's, it's not about, it's not about looking to see if, because we'll work with them. It's not right. about looking to see if they can hit that note. You know what I'm saying? It's not about to look to see if they can dance as good as, you know, Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's looking to see if there is a desire to be something. Right. And when you have that, you know, the, the kids that sing, for instance, they, they with, with or without the Garden of the Dreams, they're singing their favorite song from um, Frozen. Right. <laughs> you know, with or without the Garden of the Dreams, these girls are, you know, singing Beyonce and singing um, Adele without us. Right, right. So we look for that desire. You know, these kids ain't singing to be famous. They're right. singing because they want to sing and show you that they have, they can do something, right. you know, beautiful. So we look for that, you know what I'm saying? With, with, right. With, with, um, you know, and it's amazing to see, you know, whether it's the orchestras, um, whether it's the choirs, um, whether it's the, you know, the thing that blows me away is, the young boy or girl between 12 and 16 years old that's going to sit there and play the acoustic guitar and sing to us like he or she is Sheryl Crow. <laughs> like, those, the, the, oh, my God, the rehearsals and the auditions are mind-blowing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can and imagine. So we look, imagine. Yeah, we, we, we look for that, that the, the thing that, this, I am somebody. That's what we look for because we want to validate them and say, yes, you are. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah. And in addition to the talent show, you're also going to be involved in the first ever concert for Dreams. You know, what can, yes. what can fans expect from your appearance at the concert? Well, um, there's many fans, such as me and you, of hockey. And a lot of those fans happen to be some of the greatest musicians on the face of the earth. Right. You know, when, when I go to the hockey game, well, whether it's hockey, basketball, whatever, you know, you know, musicians and entertainers, we're normal people, and we love the sports that everybody else loves because we're no different from everybody else. So um, the Garden of Dreams decided to, hey, we got all these superstar guys around us. Let's put them together, put them to work to help us raise some money so we can continue <laughs> to make the Garden of Dreams incredible. And all of the artists, you know, who participate, who 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 are involved with, you know, even if it's just showing up at a game, you know, to sit courtside or whatever. Sure. You know, nobody is gonna not take up the responsibility to use the abilities that been has been given to them to create a scenario where those kids can do the same things that we're doing. So mm -hmm. it was just one of those ideas, you know, right up under our noses. We got um. You know, we have something that we can utilize to allow us to continue to create the resources. And, right. you know, when the Garden of Dreams, when MSG reached out to me and when it reached out to 
um, OAR. I'm going to reach out to all the, you know, musicians, celebrities, and artists that are part of the family. We said, hey, let's do something unique on, you know, let's create a night outside of what we do, you know, throughout the year. That's going to be specifically us getting together, playing some good music to entertain folks, but all the proceeds and all the money and all the loot, whatever happens that night, will go into continuing to plant the seeds at the Garden of Dreams. So you can't. No, it was like, you know, a brilliant idea. (laughs) You know, it's it's like, you know, um, I always tell a kid, y'all have everything necessary already to be successful. But it just takes, you know, a little bit of assistance. You know, these kids don't want handouts. They just want the opportunity to be kids and to be normal. Right, right. Okay, great. Is there anything else that you want to add about the talent show or, you know, give a a sneak peek at what, you know, if you're going to be performing at the concert? Well, you know, yes. Oh, for the concert, you know, I'm happy for the concert because um, we're doing two things. We're giving it's two shows. Mm-hmm. We're doing a matinee show specifically for kids only, so they get to experience. Because see, what happens in a concert like this? Sometimes the parents can be a little bit overbearing and get excited because they see DMC and they see, you know, you know their favorite, their, their favorite, their favorite musicians. So sometimes, you know, it's not done purposely, but sometimes the kids could get lost in the sauce. Like I've never seen my dad and mom act like this when it happened. So what? what so what we want to do is to give the kids, the, um, you know, to, to put the show on for the kids to give them their own experience with them. We're going to do an early show in the afternoon strictly for audience and kids. And then we're going to come back that night so the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles can let it out their system <laughs> without interfering in the joy of the kids. So that's, right. that's the cool thing about the day. We're going to, you know, do something specifically for those kids. And, you know, and I think what's going to be cool about that is the kids and us one-on-one. So all of those kids who are already talented by watching us live in concert, it ain't about, you know, seeing, you know, men and women do the grown-up thing. We, hopefully, they'll see something at night where, that will inspire them to take their songwriting or their right. song ideas or their dance routines to the next level. It's all about inspiration. Great. Well, it yep. has been such an honor to speak with you. I've been a fan for more years than I think I don't think I want to admit, to be honest. But, you know, it's been right. a great honor, and, and I love that I'm able to talk to you about this great organization. So thank you so much, Daryl, for taking the time to speak with me. Thank today. you, thank you. Beautiful dreams do come true. <laughs> yes, it sounds like they do, and I love this. Thank you yep. so much, Daryl. Have a great day. Signing thank you so much. So how amazing is Daryl McDaniels? He is very amazing. And again, it's one of those interviews that I wish I could have been a part of it. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, I would not have wanted to conduct it because I think I would have been way, way too nervous to conduct it, which is very unprofessional of me to say. <laughs> but, you know, growing up, it's so weird because in my house and and, and – you know, we have several, several tie-ins, you and I, to, to this situation. I mean, we've talked about Run DMC for years growing up. Like, mm-hmm. we've talked about, like, how does something like rap make it into, you know, Northeast Pennsylvania culture without right. any airplay or anything like that. Well, and yet everybody knows Run DMC. This particular band was MTV. Like, it, <laughs> right. Run DMC was the first rap van- band that I ever remember seeing ever and you know I honestly think that maybe it was it wasn't just walk this way but I'm thinking like maybe walk this way is what made me like pick up but I mean I remember so many of their songs like you be ill in like I remember listening to them down the shore and stuff like that like I mean it just Run DMC was a band that like as soon as I heard them it they were so unlike everything else that I heard as a little kid because we were really into rock music. You right. know, my, I have an older brother who is into Kiss, so like we listened to Kiss and and bands like that, like hair metal and everything. Like that was like our family's bread and butter. Like my mom was into it, my brother was into it and stuff like that, but like when when you'd hear Run DMC you were like 
what is this? This is so incredible. And you'd see the videos and be like, man, look at New York behind them. Look at their sneakers. Look at everything about them. Like they were just so fucking cool, you know? Oh, yeah. So I was really, really honored to be able to talk to him, especially about something that he cares so much about because of the personal story that he told about, you know, finding out that he was adopted, finding out that he was a foster kid so much later, you know, way later in his life. And, you know, and I think that that really informs the great work that he does with the Garden of Dreams Foundation. So, I mean, it was just a huge honor to be able to talk to him, but also to talk to him about something that he cares so deeply about, beyond than just, you know, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC. Right, which in itself would have been... Amazing. Amazing interviews. I remember... See, I think that by the time Run DMC was appearing on MTV... They were huge here, like here in New York. Like oh, I'm sure, like, yeah. Because I remember, I would say it was either Run... I, I really, really, really want to say it was Run DMC was the first rap I've ever heard. But it really, really might be a toss-up between them and the Sugar Hill Gang. Because I right. swear, there, were the, there was a time where the only rap that... You, the only time you would actually hear rap on the radio for the longest time outside of, you know... Dance music, pop music, rock music, and then you would hear either Run DMC or you would hear Sugar Hill Gang. Right. On, like, uh, what was it? It was 98.7 Kiss FM. And this is going back, going way, 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 way back when Kiss would be like the only station here that you would actually find rap on. Right. And I remember growing up in Long Island, like in high school, and like searching for the signal you know, for Kiss FM right. to try to, like, get to hear more of it. And it was like, man, you know, you listen to, like, Rockbox or something like that from Run DMC, and you're just sitting there like, when is the next song going to come <laughs> out? Like, because it was unlike anything right, else yeah. you had heard. And it's not that there wasn't other people out there rapping, because there was definitely other groups out there that were, you know, that were leading to this, you know, sure. genre of music. But they were the only people who kept it clean the entire time. Right, and, right. And even when, you know, the the whole, you know, the whole face of rap started to like shift over to, you know, what it is now, which I feel like is a lot a lot calmer than what it's been because I feel like there was a turbulent time where it was a lot of violence, a lot of sure, sex, a lot sure. of I mean, you know, all that gangster rap all spawned from run dmc basically like bringing the genre onto the radio airwaves and making it and introducing it it to people who weren't able to hear this that's it right yeah but even after people started like you know bringing let's say gangster rap into the mix run dmc could have easily have changed costs and and stayed with that flow but instead they kind of kept doing what they did and stayed true to that which is huge that you know you can still make that much of an influence without changing, you know, without changing focus on what right, you do. Sure, sure. Because you saw like the changing tide with like the hair metal bands that like I previously said. Like when Nirvana came along and like kind of killed the eighties glam era, you know, a lot of those bands tried to kind of change their sound and stuff to try and find like to have lightning strike twice. And like Run DMC didn't need to do that when no. the rap tides turned because they didn't need to because they invented, you know, they were of they were the architects of rap and they didn't need to reinvent anything because they were the architects. So Right. <laughs> if anything, they started introducing bringing rock on board, you know, when they right. brought Aerosmith into Walk This Way and then you started seeing everybody starting mixing rock and rap. Right, but exactly. that was all started by Run DMC. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I think it was just, I, I think that they're just so influential in so many different ways, but just especially just beyond what you'd think that you would know them at. And that's why, you know, like, of course, like I could have stayed on the phone with him for like hours and just been like, let's talk right, about sure. this, let's talk about that. But I was like, no, because this means a lot to him. Right. So... And it means a lot to the people who knows what it is, which is mm-hmm. where we come in to try to help people understand like what it is. Right. We've dealt with Garden of Dreams before, and it's amazing that more people don't know about the organization. Right. Like, especially here in New York City, I feel like I feel like probably one out of every two people should at least know or he have heard of 
the Garden of Dreams if you live in New York City. Right, absolutely. Because of what they do. Right, and because of, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. Like, every right. single person who's here knows exactly what Madison Square Garden is. And I think it's just really, you know, I just... It's just such a great organization. And, like, we... You know, they do a lot of work with the sports because, you know, obviously oh, sports right. is like their big thing. You know, that's a huge thing for them, like with the Rangers, with the Knicks. Well, it's a nightly. Uh, the Rockettes nightly, and stuff like that. You, it's, it's there. It's right, every exactly, night a game exactly. for something. But like we worked with the, their organization with like the charitable arm of the Rangers um, last, two years ago, I think yeah, it was. I know. Where we got to see, you know, firsthand how they make, how like this organization makes an impact in, for, for example, in Harlem where, you know, it's called Hockey in Harlem. And it's underserved kids who get to play this really expensive sport, you know, for for free. Like this kid had worked with the organization. He was like, I play hockey. I want to give back to kids who want to play hockey, but they might not be able to afford it. So this kid got like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of brand new hockey equipment from skates and helmets to hundreds of sticks to you know having like yeah to having like these legends of the the rangers come out and like be there to present these kids you know who were playing with like secondhand fourth hand equipment for those who could afford to even get out of the right like they were just using donated products that like other organizations might have gotten for them but like for the first time these kids were able to put on brand new hockey equipment like their contemporaries play in other areas and stuff and they were able to like play with all this new stuff and it was so cool seeing these kids being like wow i'm like really excited to get like a brand new pair of skates that are just for me oh you know my God. and like yeah, and, no and that's really really cool because you know firsthand how expensive hockey equipment is i mean seriously it's it's strange for it, the sport is such an incredible sport, but for so many reasons, it is very, very limited on who can play it still right. to this day. And the majority of that reason is because of, you the know, cost the cost of, of it. Right, yeah. And it's not just the cost of equipment. It's also the cost of the space. I mean, think about it. You're trying to heat, you know, a 200-foot rink. You're trying to keep that completely under ice. right. You know, during all weather conditions outside. Sure, it's sure. It's not, not easy, especially, you know, anywhere below the Canadian border where there's <laughs> right, a thing exactly. called spring and summer and fall. <laughs> I mean, you know, exactly it, turns lakes into puddles. Exactly. But, you know, it is a great organization, and you should definitely check out GardenOfDreamsFoundation.org for more information. Um, the Concert for Dreams is on Friday, the 23rd of March, mm -hmm. and the talent show is on Tuesday at Radio City on the 27th. Yes, and for those of you listening who are older, go to the night show. Exactly, and <laughs> all money, every th all proceeds raised goes directly into Garden of Dreams for their programming, whether it's, you know, you know, it's giving back at all sorts of events. Um, right. So, you know, all monies go toward these kids and helping these kids live their best life. Right. So please do what you can to help because this is a very, 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 very good cause. Absolutely. And we can't thank you enough, Daryl, for speaking to us about this. It was so exciting talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. It really was. I don't know what else to say aside <laughs> from that because – you know, there are certain interviews that you you do over time and you just look at it and you're like, oh, my God, man, this guy is someone I grew up with. Right. right you know, yeah. like you've literally grown up with him but never had a chance to talk to him. Exactly. And then here he is. And he is just as nice as he would you would want him to be. Like exactly. you would imagine somebody to be like, you know, seeing Christmas about Hollis Queens. Like I feel like <laughs> we could show up at his apartment on, you know, on <laughs> Christmas Eve and have, you know collie greens with them absolutely <laughs> I, I hope i get that chance because that is my favorite christmas song so it's certainly i know every year we like crank up that song and it's kind of like all right and it's like oh here we go awesome so you know again we'll have all the links to um garden of dreams foundation in our show description as always all right thank you so much Daryl. we so so much appreciate it and again everybody please go out and check out the show if you can and learn more about the Garden of Dreams because, I mean, fantastic cause for, for everybody involved in it. Absolutely. All right. So where are we at now? Should we do a roll? Uh, oh, my God. I almost said really oh, poly already. Oh, oh, Should we God. do a potsy? We could do a potsy. All righty. Let's go.
Let's see. All right. So we try to we've been trying to discuss like what are we gonna do to Potsy on this week? I'm getting so sick of just coming on and just being like I'm tired, I feel nauseous, I feel like I'm dizzy, I pass out all the time. But I think it's good that you you know admit that like and people who might listen to the show who you know are listening to the show because hey I'm I have pots I want to hear what someone else's experience is like I think that it's it's a really real thing like I have seen you dragging ass lately yeah I'm definitely dragging ass lately and I, I was trying to think of what were we going to do this segment on mm-hmm. you know and for me to just come on and be like I'm tired and you say yeah he's tired I don't know if that's really helping anybody so much. So, I, because, I mean, you know, I'm trying to just say, like, yeah, I'm tired, but I don't know what solution that's offering. So, I thought about it before we got on the air tonight, and there was something that I kind of want to talk about okay, so talk about to it. the people who have POTS, who can understand what the situation is. Over the last couple of weeks, I would say even maybe as much as the last month or so, I've been getting my parents especially, and you to a point, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but the amount of concern because of, I would say, the fluctuation of health mm-hmm. has been a lot. I know it's a lot for me because I'm going through it. I feel like I can just kind of curl up in a ball on the couch. I can curl up on a ball in bed. I could sleep for, you know, 18 hours. I can wake up. I can do my seven hours worth of work, go back to sleep again. And that's feel, I feel like that's really pretty much like what's, what's happening right now. And, you know, even though like everybody is, has been fantastic with it. And everybody has a little piece of advice, most of which is, you know, call your doctor, call your doctor, call your doctor, (laughs) from a person who has something wrong. It gets a little frustrating. And I just want to, like, let people know with POTS that, yeah, I get it. I understand what you're going through when everybody is trying to suggest that you make another doctor's appointment or you call up, you know, the people who you know, figured out that you have POTS in the first place or, you know, you try gaining more weight or you try doing this stuff. But I think that what a lot of people don't get is is that it's not up to the person with POTS whether or not they're going to be able to eat enough food or whether or not they're going to have the energy to go out and do something or make plans to do something. Because there are times where I wake up in the morning, like I said, and I have very, very clear, detailed uh, layout of what I'm going to do for a day. Mm -hmm. But there are days that I literally cannot move. Right. And it's not even get out of bed. It's like I'm just laying there. I can't move. Like my arms won't move. My legs won't move. Like I can't. I physically can't. My head says, yeah, you can go. So – I get that people like, you know, call the doctor, but because that's the only point of reference that we we have. That's the only that's the only help that we could give you. But honestly, having been to the doctor so many times, I know what happens behind the doctor's doors. People with POTS knows what happens behind the doctor's doors. They're going to look at you and and I'm not saying that they don't care or they're, you know, or they're being jerks about it. I mean, I really honestly think that my doctor and I love, love, love my doctor right now. I think she honestly does care. I think she honestly does want to find something. But I also know for a fact that there is no cure right now. So I'm to the point now where I go to a doctor's visit and my doctor will be like, well, let's, you know, get you blood work and we'll try if we can fix this, 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 this all right. these things. And it's right. like going... But everything you're trying to fix is part of a disease there's no cure for. So I'm to the point now where I'm like, I don't want to do any. Like, I asked last time I was there, I was like, can we just have a break? No blood test, no right. anything. Like, like I just of need a, a couple pin. of months right. off to, before we can go further and, and do this. And I'm sure after having a break, we can, you know, get back into it again and do more tests and try to figure stuff <clears> out. <throat> but if there's nothing... If we know for a fact that there's no cure for this right now, can't we just all just be like, all right, it's fine. 
and just move along. Like I understand that it's hard for the people on the outside, but I feel like I've come to the point where I've completely accepted it, where I'm just like going, all right, I'm going to wake up today. I'm not going to be able to move for the next two hours. I'm going to have to lay here in bed. And when I go out for a walk, eh, I know that if this thing, this little Kona, the production assistant, decides she want to go somewhere and she's going to pull, I'm going to go down. I just come to terms with all of that, you know? And I swear, every single time I run into a person, I would say one of the hardest, hardest parts of having this syndrome is, you know, just smiling through everybody's suggestions on what they think I should do. <laughs> Seriously. Duly noted. And, and 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 I'm not saying it just for you. I'm saying, you know, even coworkers, you know, know telling know. me you should try bone broth soup. I know. And I it's know. like my well, mom is the same way. Soup Your isn't parents... gonna help. This isn't gonna help. It's kinda like, you know, you just gotta just take it for what it is and just be like, Hey, you know what? I might not have gotten out of bed today for two hours. But at least I opened my eyes and had them open for two hours, which I would say is a pretty good old <laughs> thing considered, considering how I feel right now, you know? All right, okay. Duly noted. So, but I'm just saying, though. No, I, I know, I, I, just, I know, I know. I, I want know. other people with, with POTS to realize that, you know, because a lot of the things that I see online, especially lately, are people saying, you know, one of two things. Either their families, friends, and coworkers are either very, very supportive of them and to the point where they're like, here are my suggestions. Like, you should try this, you should try this, you should try this. And it's hard because people with POTS knows that isn't gonna matter at all. Like, that's not gonna help anybody. Right. But we get it, we get it. It's just hard to like absorb it all and try to like function on a daily basis. The other way is so many people are on, on different POTS groups on Facebook and stuff are looking at it and they're saying, you know, people are looking at me and they think I'm faking it. Sure, and it's kind sure. of like, all right, you know what? I'm willing to bet if anybody heard the stories of me laying in bed until three o'clock in the afternoon is going to be like, that guy's a lazy fuck. <laughs> and it's true to a point. I definitely am lazy. But even for me laying in bed till three o'clock in the afternoon after a while, it's kind of like, this it isn't where I want to be. <laughs> right. But it's where I have to be because it's, the, the only thing I can you. do, right. you know, I'm not going to fall. I know I'm not going to get hurt. Right. So, you know, but those people every day have to like face the facts that, you know, people think that they're full of shit. Right. And, and I mean, I don't know which one's worse. I honestly don't know which one is worse because if people think you're full of shit, they're not going to try to give you advice. But if they're giving you advice, that means they care. So <laughs> it's not that we as people with POTS, you know, are unwilling to say to be thankful for the concern people right. have. But after a while, I think that the big thing is is that you know, people just realize like I've been to the doctors. I've been to the specialists. I know. It's I've just I've done everything that I possibly could. It's just hard to watch. I understand that. It's hard to be part of it too. But it's even harder when you say, "All right, well this is what it's going to be." And then you get your parents calling up with suggestions, and it's kind of like, well, now I got to worry about you worrying. <laughs> and somehow also trying to, you know, I guess, appease them in that, like, all right, I will try what your suggestion is. But it's just another chore at the end of the day sure. because it's yeah, like, no, oh I man, know, I, I know this shit. I know, help. I know, I know, and you know that. I know, I know. But, you know, I just want. People with POTS and other diseases out there who are dealing with this stuff to realize, like, dude, I get it. We're all in the same boat, man. It's like we all know people love us and they want to try to do good things for us. But we also know at the end of the day, eh, for people with rare diseases, there's not much that can be done about it. Right. We just function a little bit differently than everybody else. And when everybody around us realizes that, yeah, we're functioning just on a different wavelength, everything is going to be all right. All right. All right? Okay. Okay. And I think that's it for the potsy? I guess so. All right. Well, then, that's it for the segment, then. And I guess that wraps up this week's show. Yeah. And just so you know, I talked through that whole thing just because looking over at Nikki with her eyes watering up again, I just cannot 
put her through the mental torment, like, again. So every once in a while, like when we do the potsy or if I'm having a bad day, I'm just going to keep it to myself a little bit because no, it's... that's not... No, but you know I'm emotional. It's not... I know you're emotional. But putting you through this oh, time God. and time again is a bit much because seriously, at the end of the day, it's no different than what it was yesterday. I mean, that's the thing that you just have to keep in your head is that... It's not different than it was yesterday or the day before. It may be different than what it, the situation might be different than what it was three years ago. But seriously, the difference between yesterday and today is no big deal. So we'll just deal with it. Yep. And we'll deal with wrapping the show up and preparing for next week. But until we do that, if you feel the need to learn a little bit more about the High Regard Show, you can do so by checking out highregardshow.com. Or if you want, you can... Send us your feedback at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can always find us on all social media at highregardshow. And you could certainly follow along with our studio manager. The cutest there is. The cutest around at the Kona persona. <laughs> and she's about to throw a fit, so I suggest she we, really uh, is. I suggest we turn the mics off before shit starts flying. <laughs> That's it. Well, again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us, Daryl McDaniel. You just—I cannot tell you much how big of fans we are here at the High Regard Absolutely, Show and you're such an inspiration. And thank you so so much. And also to the Garden of Dreams. I mean, seriously, fantastic jobs. I am sure this will not be the last time we talk about them Absolutely. living here in the city. Absolutely. All right, everybody, until next week, good night. Bye-bye.